y'all. Welcome to Footnotes and Witness. My name is Deborah J. McKenzie, and this is the podcast where we study the Bible to see Jesus rightly and find him in our own story. Let us be faithful witnesses to his character and glory. All right, y'all, this is our last week to kind of walk through how to tell our 10-minute testimony, how to be witnesses in 10 minutes. (laughs) Now, I sincerely hope that you have taken the notes along with me and that you've actually started working on your story. If you haven't, I think just having kind of the know-how in the back of your mind is fine too. Sometimes that's where we need to start. So either way, We're going to talk today about some of the pitfalls, maybe some of the missteps that I have seen just in my experience of doing this for a while. And they're pretty common. And I think if you're able to be more aware of them, then it just helps you kind of like look out for them. And I just want you to be as successful as possible, because I truly do believe that the church can and should be a safe place. It should be the place where we don't hoard deep, dark secrets, but bring them out into the light and let community and the grace of Jesus Christ shine his light on it and redeem these things that we can be known and that we can be loved and that the church is the avenue for that. And I really do think that being able to tell our testimonies is how we get started. So let's start with just a couple of couple of tricks tips that I've seen over the years. The first one I want to talk about is glorifying your sin. So as you've thought about your past, do you find yourself longing for the life that you had before you started to walk with Jesus? Are there things that you chose to walk away from that you miss? If you do, that's okay. All of these questions are to help kind of expose or illuminate where you are in your walk and help you tell an honest and vulnerable testimony. Because we need testimonies all along this the path. Like we we don't need just testimonies of like overcome and big fat bow on the end and we'll talk about that, but that we need some of those stories to say like this is where I'm at. It's not done yet or I just started and I have no idea where I'm going to go. And so sometimes when we're at the beginning of this journey, we can look back and we can actually long for our past sinful behaviors. And what that does is it it leads us to glorify the sin in our story instead of the Savior. And maybe you've heard a testimony like this. Maybe you've shared one, but it can kind of look like bragging. It's Maybe looks like before I got saved, I slept with so many people. I was always hooking up with somebody. Or before I gave it all up, I partied all the time. I had so many friends and I could get whatever I wanted. Like these kind of statements reflect mostly on the human of the story. And it shows a heart still longing for the past. Now, if you think about past sinful behavior and choices as the good old days, like back when I was really popular or back when everything was good, then what that can show you is that your days now with Jesus don't hold as much value. Your days with Jesus, what if those are the good old days, are these days like the holy and penitent and boring days now that I'm a Christian? Like, how do you perceive your life before and after? I've talked with many people and I've had really good friends who think to be a Christian means that you don't get to have fun anymore, that there isn't 
like parties or even like going and doing things that other people in the culture do. And that's not necessarily true. Everybody has different issues and, and maybe going to a, a dance club, you know, with your spouse and line dancing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, if you have a problem with alcohol, is it a bad thing to put yourself in that position and be in a bar? Yeah, maybe. So it's about you and what your past sin looked like. It's not necessarily about being a Christian means that there is no fun. There is no going out and doing things. <laughs> it's about when you look back at your life, are you still longing for those days? Do you miss those days? It's all about perspective, remember? So seeing your past behavior, it, it corrupted your heart, those sinful things. And that should grieve you because now you know that it kept you from being in a closer relationship with Jesus. So it's really hard to bring this up and not sound super judgy about it. And I even was kind of cautious about it and didn't know if I should include it, but I think it's really important. It's just easier to communicate face to face than in this like nebulous world of a podcast, because I'm not judging you. If you like have left some addictive behaviors, maybe addictive choices or just other things, and you still long for those, that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. That doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. And that doesn't mean that you aren't saved. It just means that you still have some way to go. Because as we grow in our faith, our spiritual maturity should lead us to see the cross bigger and bigger and bigger. And that sounds kind of contradictory. Like when you get saved, everyone thinks, oh, the cross is as big as it's ever going to be. And maybe you get saved from something really big. And so you feel like that that's the moment. That's the pivotal highlight moment of your walk with Jesus. But as you mature in your faith, you should actually see the cross getting bigger and bigger because now you know, now you've studied and you've seen just how full of fault your heart is. Maybe you don't conduct yourself in a way that you did before you got saved. Maybe you make different choices. Maybe you gave up some destructive behaviors. And now you've been a Christian for 30 years. But you're still not perfect. You're still not Jesus. You still have sin in your heart. It may be pride. It may be simple little things like self-esteem or where you find your identity. But the longer you're in your walk with God, the more you see that only the cross can save us from these things. And so the cross doesn't get smaller over time. It actually gets bigger. So if you feel offended or judged by me saying, don't glorify the sin, then this might be for you. <laughs> Maybe you should listen. But remember that you were chosen and you were loved. If this is speaking to you, don't despair. Stop and pray about it. Talk to a friend talk to a mentor, somebody or church, your pastor. Following Christ should help you see your story, not for what you gave up, quote unquote, but what you gained. It should be about the Savior and not the sin. And this does take time and spiritual maturity. The honest testimony, though, sometimes is about the longing and the fear of missing out. It might say, I gave up all of this other life because I want to follow Christ and be more like him. And someday I hope that I will. But right now, Jesus just isn't that big in my life. And I miss my friends. And I miss 
whatever it is that you gave up. And that's an honest story. And that's a good story. And that story has value. That's an amazing thing to realize, to be vulnerable with and share. And it's also showing you where you're going to go. You have a path forward that you want to get to the place that you don't long for the sin anymore, but you long for the Savior. And what an amazing gift to have that exposed, to know that in yourself, and to be able to pray for that and focus on that whenever you're in God's Word or in His community. So don't despair. That's a great gift to see. The next kind of misstep that I've seen before kind of falls in line with glorifying the sin, but it truly is its own separate pitfall to watch out for. And that is assigning credit where it just doesn't belong. So I actually struggled with this a lot for years. I wanted to say, and I needed to believe that I had saved myself. Now, this in my story was based in self-protection. This was a coping mechanism to deal with the things that had happened in my life. And I gave myself the credit for pulling myself up by my bootstraps and getting it done. Jesus was just a passenger who supported me on my cause for deliverance from the troubles and abuse I had endured. Now, if you find yourself here, just like before, stop and seek prayer. Ask a mentor, go to your pastor, talk to a friend. Asking God to show you the truth about how you got through something doesn't mean that you are worthless. It means that you are humble enough to realize the truth of the gospel, that God is your Savior, and any power you have had is through the Savior. Stop someone when they say, oh, I'm not good enough. When someone says, oh, I can't handle that. We seek to lift them up and we want to make them feel better. I haven't really decided if we're truly wanting that person to feel better or if we're just uncomfortable in that moment with someone's vulnerability. Either way, knowing that you can't handle something is exposure. (laughs) It's a gift. If this is sounding like I'm repeating myself a lot, it's because all of these things are gifts. They are exposure of something that we may not want to look at but it's a good thing to see them. When your friend says something like, oh, I'm just not good enough, or I just can't handle that, your response should be, no, you can't. But God can. That's where we can point back to Jesus. Because Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could be more confident and self-assured. He died so that you would know him and seek completion in him alone. Now, I'm not talking about self-hate. That's another issue entirely. As a woman, I feel that self-esteem is usually an issue we need to confront and not shy away from with false compliments. We need to find our value in Jesus alone. But we do this to our friends, our sisters, our family, our aunts, like when they say like, oh, I'm just not a good mom or I'm not a very good sister. And we go, oh, no, of course you are. And it's all full of platitudes. So if you see yourself doing this in your own story to yourself, that's important too. You need to not just give empty platitudes, but point back to the gospel. Give credit where it belongs, that he gave you the power to get through it. 
He's the one who got you through that divorce. He's the one who got you through your teenagers or addiction, whatever your story entails. I had the really unique gift and opportunity to go through a very like concentrated self-reflection kind of weekend. It was full of like big breakout groups and then you had smaller groups and it was Christian groups. It was like very scripturally focused. And one of the most really difficult things about that weekend were our instructions in our small groups. And that was that if someone started crying to not comfort them. And that sounds so mean. I totally get it. If you're feeling like, well, that's not the way to handle it right now. (laughs) I understand. Because I was like, that's so mean, especially with girls, right? If somebody cries, we want to cry. We don't want them to be alone. But it's so important to let someone feel their feelings and ask God to walk with them through it. So you could just sit with someone and be there for them while they go through it. But the second we try to intervene in somebody else's feelings, then we've made it about us. Like your feelings are making me feel uncomfortable and I want them to stop. I don't want you to cry. I I want that to stop. (laughs) So it was actually so powerful to see grown women like telling their story, being able to cry about it and everyone accept their tears. No one made them stop their tears. And there's an amazing power in that. Because then the power of when those tears stopped is because she didn't need to cry anymore. She had been able to talk about it, be vulnerable, take it out of the deep, dark secret, put it into a safe, comfortable environment full of believers who are there to support and love. And that's the important part. You can't just blather your life story out anywhere and expect to be loved and accepted. Even in Christians, that's not always going to happen. So there is some like caution, yes, but also feel your feelings. And if someone else is going through that, let them go through that. You don't need to stop their feelings because it makes you feel uncomfortable. As a maturing Christian, We should hopefully recognize more and more the need for Christ. It should grow every day. No matter how far those past sins you may think you have come from, no matter how far away they feel like they are, we are still sinful creatures every single day. Our sins may just look different, but we're the ones who say, well, that sin is worse. Any sin that separates you from the Father is something to grieve over, and it's something to work on. So it doesn't matter if your sins were really far away or if they're happening today. Everyone sins all the time. And so we want to make sure that we give God the credit for getting through that. I had a home group leader who used to say, I'm so grateful for the gift of salvation every day that I woke up and the Holy Spirit gave me the gift of salvation. Now, I don't need to get into a theological mess or discussion about that. I just love the heart posture of it that every day he gave credit for his belief back to the Father. And so we need to try to see, are we giving credit back to ourselves out of self-protection, out of trying to inflate our own self-esteem? Or are we giving credit back to the Father where it belongs? My last big pitfall that I see pretty commonly is trying to tie the story up with a bow before you will share it. 
You only have to look at Hollywood to see how much we value a well-told stories. They have award shows for it. I mean, we love a good story. And a really good story has a beginning and a middle and an end. We love that good climax and we yearn for the ending that answers all of our questions. And it can be very tempting to write our testimony this way. But if we're honest, we are never at the end. And if we believe in an eternity with Christ, we'll never be at the end. We will never be in this world at a place of perfection. Our story is not over. It is just as virtuous to say, I'm still in this mess and I still struggle. That has value. It can feel really gratifying to tell a story that ends with the redemption of Christ and being saved from a terrible sin. I used to do that. I'm saved now. And now I never have to struggle with that sin ever again. Like that's a great story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end and a redemption. But it isn't always honest. If you have that in your story, great. Tell it. But if you are in the middle of your story and you haven't stopped whatever that thing is, if you still struggle, if you still have a hard time, which I think all of us do, it's okay to say, yeah, I'm still in the middle of this. I don't have a resolution for this yet. Sometimes God gifts us with understanding and resolutions. And sometimes on this side of the world, before we pass away, we don't get that. We don't know what the point of that tragic loss was. We don't know what the point of that lost family member or that cancer or that job loss, like whatever it is that grieves us. We always want to say, well, here's the point. Here's the reason. And it's all okay. That's a great thing to strive for. But if it isn't true, then it's not worth talking about because it is just as important to say, I'm in the middle of this. And I still believe in God. It's like when I read Psalm 13, it's how long will you turn your face for me? But I still believe. And that is a very powerful story. Even if you don't have the picture perfect ending right now, someday you will. In this life or the next, Christ is always the winner. He has already overcome this. He is the Savior. So write the honest version, not what you think would go over well. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. And it's okay to leave your story without a resolution because that's where you are in all honesty. And there's nothing wrong with that. So those are my big three that I've seen the most often. Glorifying the sin, assigning credit where it doesn't belong, and trying to tie it off with a big bow at the end. Now, this isn't a classroom assignment. Your testimony is personal. No one else can write it. Only you can do this. But no one's going to check your grammar or count your sentences. (laughs) Remember, you can treat this like a conversation with a friend. So if you've gone through these episodes, what we've done is we've, we've just answered these questions. And it's as simple as that. If you just put the answers to each one of those questions, back to back, you're going to end up with about a 10 minute testimony. (laughs) How you came to know the Lord and follow Jesus. If there was a big moment, or if there was just a couple of little remembrance stones that you can point to and say, God walked with me through this. And then kind of where you're at, what does your last year look like? What are you working with? What is God showing you like, 
right now? What is he working with you in your life with maybe over the last year or maybe just in this season? You write those things down, say it out loud, time yourself, see if you need to add a little bit or maybe take out a little bit. But having it between eight and 10 minutes is a good idea. Most people talk a whole lot faster when they're nervous. (laughs) So a 10 minute story can become a six minute story real fast. Sometimes if you're like me, you forget to breathe. So you need to literally write in your testimony, breathe here, stop here, (laughs) pause here. That's okay. And then once you have that, right, once you have that written out or in your voice recording app, pray about where God wants you to take that. If you've got somebody involved in your story, you need to go talk with them, have resolution first. But if that's taken care of and you can go maybe to your home group leader or maybe your small group like leader or whoever's in charge of that at your church, maybe you do a home church or maybe you just have a group of friends that are believers too and say, hey, I'd really like all of us to tell our story. One of the best ways to get that program going is to volunteer to go first. And that sounds really scary. But if you've done this, you've already done the hard work. So just go to them and say, hey, I'd really like it if we all told our testimonies. And I know this would be kind of weird and awkward. And I would I would love to go first. So that way I can kind of help everyone be at ease. Also, just personal note, I like going first because then it's over. You don't have to stress about it. You're like, well, there's 10 of us, but I've gone first. So I'm done. So you're going to pray about it. You're going to find out where you need to go with it. Then you're going to ask, where in your community can you utilize this to help further that community? And then you're just going to do it. You're going to share your story. A lot of times it can be easier to share it with a very close personal friend or family member first, just to get some of the practice. That's okay too. And like I said, I've put a link to my website at the bottom of this. If you feel like you don't have that community, and you'd really like to reach out to somebody, I don't want you to feel like you're alone. So there's a contact me page on my website and you are more than welcome to reach out to me. I don't have it all figured out either, but I got Google and we can try and find a church close by or have a couple of correspondences to see what your story feels like. And if if you feel like you need some help with that, whatever that looks like, you're more than welcome to utilize that resource. Telling your testimony can feel like falling off a cliff. It can feel like you are plunging to your death and you have no control over it. And that's because we have this culture that actually values deep, dark secrets and fake masks. And that's not how Christ called us to live. We're supposed to be in community with one another. And that means vulnerability. That means honesty. And he wants you to feel loved and accepted. And he's brought people in your life to do that. But we have to give them the chance. It's not like falling off a deep cliff to your death. It's more like one drop of water falling into a crystal, serene lake. You're not in charge. That's true. And that part can be scary. When that drop falls, you can't control where the ripples go, how many ripples there are, and what those ripples are going to hit. You have to let God be in charge of all of that. But if you can, if you can just let that drop fall, if you can let this one story be told, those ripples can go out and affect so many people. 
And even if no one hears your story, it is an act of worship to offer up to the heavenly creator your story to say, this is where I've seen you. I affirm your love for me. This is where I've seen you in my life. And this is where I want to go with you. That is a beautiful act of worship. And it is definitely worth giving your time to because he's worth it. And that is really good news.